This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for June 11th, 2018. I recently spoke to YouTuber Natalie Parrott about feminism and trans issues, but not all trans people have the same opinions. In this podcast, another member of that community with a very different view, one that got her banned from Twitter. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. On a Skype line now from the UK, I have Miranda Yardley. Miranda calls herself an iconoclastic transsexual. Uh, Miranda, what does an iconoclastic transsexual look like? Uh, oh, you see my picture. <laughs> For those who haven't, tell us. Um... I guess it's someone who doesn't really believe in the sort of um, dominant narrative that we seem to have out there about what it means to be trans. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, amongst other things, which I'm sure we'll come on to, part of what transgenderism is doing is it's erasing the group identity of transsexuals, which has been a thing for quite a time. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, most people would understand what a transsexual is because... You know, there are certain ideas or stereotypes, dare I even say it, or, you know, concepts that are associated with that. Whereas transgender can mean, you know, pretty much any useful idiot. Uh, it's drawn so wide um, to, to be a trans, to be transgender or a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you All you have to do is to declare that you have some sort of gender variance. And, you know, you can be Bob who spends 30 days a month um, with his wife and kids doing his day job or you know doing his day job five days a week mm-hmm. and then one night a week go out partying to the um local local transvestite club or whatever and you know suddenly you're a transgender woman and um I, i've written about this before and that you know i kind of got separated from the trans scene for a few years because it just didn't interest me at all and when i came back to it what happened is that these weekend warriors as I could call them, these weekend warriors are suddenly claiming to be a woman of some description, which is a bit okay, weird. Okay, pause, pause on that for a second, because we have, some people maybe don't know the background and the vocabulary as well as you might. And people who've been listening to the podcast will know that uh, I think back in February, we interviewed uh, Linda Bellos. She is a 1970s, 1980s uh, feminist uh, who had been a member of the Labour Party in the UK, was basically in the trenches fighting for things like equal pay and so forth. She has recently attracted the disapproval of what might be called the trans community, or at least parts of it. And then later I spoke to uh, Natalie Parrott, who is a very prominent YouTuber, runs the ContraPoints YouTube channel. And she was really quite dismissive of the previous generation, what might be called second generation feminists, and was saying that essentially anyone who self-declares as a woman should be recognized as a woman. Now, you're transsexual, you were born male, you have transitioned to being female. Do you accept what Natalie Parrott was saying? Well, there you go. It's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it, for a a adult male 
a man to dismiss a woman because he says that she's um, old or from a different generation. Um, Natalie's experience of being a woman is entirely limited to um, the time that Natalie has declared himself to be Natalie. And that is, you know, there's the rub. Um, how, 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 how can we say that it is a modern idea or a, um, or anything other than archaic regressive ideology that a man can suddenly turn around and tell a woman that she's doing woman wrong, a woman who has lived her entire life as a woman whose life has been shaped as a woman by living in a world of men. And we, you know, a woman who was fought to be seen as a human being by, you know, in this world of men, we suddenly have this, what is a man turning around and saying that she is not doing woman right? I mean... Um, so so you're, you're drawing a distinction then between what the original second wave feminists would regard as being a woman and you yourself essentially are you um i I don't know if that that point really accurately represents what the point that i was trying to make um the point is that a woman is not an identity that you can wear Um, clearly it's not Uh, the dictionary as a for example defines a woman as being an adult human female Mm -hmm. if you look at uh, if you look at the equality act in the uk Equality Act 2010, Section 212, states that a woman is a female of any age. Uh, the, the concept of being a woman is tied to reproductive class or, you know, it's the class of woman is tied to reproductive biology. Do you think that's it, valid? Well, how, how, else, how else would you define woman, absent of defining a woman as being someone who is... Um, that conforms to particular social stereotypes. Mm-hmm. How, can you think of another? I, okay, how would you define woman? If if I'm if, I'm if lucky to, I'm lucky to be the one I'm lucky to be the one here who's asking the questions and not having to answer them. And I'm I'm uh, oh, going I'm going to I'm going to exercise <laughs> that particular privilege. But there is a conflict essentially between people, particularly older feminists. Uh, older is perhaps the wrong word, particularly feminists of the, what are called second wave feminists, who say that if you're not born with XX chromosomes, you don't have the same experience of being a woman and you're actually not a woman, therefore, but out of our feminism. Do you think that's valid? No, I think the framing is a bit dishonest, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're answering the questions. I, I presume that you are answering the questions really as a, a you, you know, to, to make an interesting interview and to be to, to challenge uh, viewpoints as, as opposed to these are what you yourself think. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think that it is dishonest to frame this as being something that is being, you, you know, a an ideology for want of a better word that mm-hmm. is um being put forward by people who are from the 1970s or a particular type of feminist or whatever i think you'll find that most people know what uh, you know that a, a woman is an adult human female um certainly most men seem to understand that a woman is an adult human female well, and and just uh, just to be clear <laughs> so just to be clear Miranda, would you include yourself in that I'm a male. Okay. You know, I was born male. I was born with a with a functional male reproductive system, and I was socialised 
according to, um, uh, you know, I was I was given a male socialization. Mm-hmm. Uh, how could I credibly c- claim to be female? On what basis? We, you know, it's here's an idea. Think about it like this. I got two cats. Both of them were female cats. They've been spayed. Does that mean that they're suddenly not female cats? My friend's dog has had his balls cut off. Does that mean that he's no longer a male dog? But hold on for a second. Some trans people would find that terribly offensive and saying that that's, you know, almost reducing them to a very medicalized view. Sexuality and gender identification is a very much more complex thing than that, isn't it? Not really, no. Um I think that the I think if you've got an ideology that means that you as a male or you as a man find it upsetting when someone realizes that you're a male or a man and then you know treats you as they would a male or a man mm-hmm. um you know given certain social situations um or addresses you as such uh, or expects you to you know not try on that rather too short and too tight skirts that you're holding in Topshop in the ladies' changing room. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that if your ideology means that you are are um, offended by that, there's something wrong with your ideology. The way, I think the way to deal with this really is not to expect everybody to suspend their disbelief and think that magically you as being someone who, you know, like, a number of rather famous transitioners have eked out a career, a lucrative career for themselves in a man's world and doing man's things and had a number of wives and had a number and fathered a number of children and then suddenly described, you know, decide that you're female. I think we have to be able to question the basis of that. And I don't think it is wrong to question the basis of a claim that a man who has lived as a man for much of his life and father children and have been married. I, I don't think that there is anything wrong with questioning the basis upon which they would claim to be female or claim to be a woman. The fact of the matter is that as mammals, we are sexed according to our reproductive class. That doesn't mean, for example, that everybody who is a woman has to have has to be born with a uterus because there are a small number of women who are born with particular conditions that affect their reproductive capability. And likewise, mm-hmm. there are a small number of people born with distinct intersex conditions. But sure, but that, that doesn't address the question at hand, that those are perhaps, you know, exceptions at the margin. But there are exceptions at the margin, but I don't think that it's... First of all, I don't think anybody has a right not to be offended. And second of all, if you're... If your ideology that if your personal ideology that is foundational to your personal code or how you see yourself or how you live your life is at odds with reality, I think you've got enormous problems. I'm going to encounter enormous problems in getting through your everyday life. Do, do you it's think bad. it's possible, Miranda? Do you think it's possible that there is an element of the trans community having been hijacked by? a political ideology that wants to set itself apart is perhaps even searching for things to be offended by and is searching for wedge issues that they can signal that they are on a particular political path that other people are not on. I think that a lot of the power of 
the transgender movement is based upon making out that they are a extremely oppressed class of people. And you will notice that there is a claim made for transphobia for essentially stating the truth, saying that trans women are male or that trans women are men, uh, that the penis is not a, se a female sexual organ, that there is no such thing as a lesbian with a penis, that lesbians are um, homosexual females. Uh, I, I think that if you're going to be calling comments like that transphobia, and I believe it or not, they are um, that they, they are. You've been banned from Twitter for saying things like that, haven't you? Yes, I have. Can you tell me what exactly it was that you said that that uh, triggered that? Amy Challoner is a man. Uh, and who is Amy Challoner? Amy Challoner is a man. Uh, Amy Challoner is a Green Party activist. Um, who, who is a transgender? Uh, she's a senior member of the Green Party in the UK. Have I got your tweet correct verbatim? Just that you said Amy Challoner is a man. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, I can see that, you know, I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in freedom of speech for people I don't agree with. But you can see how it's not very nice, is it? Um, what do you mean not very nice? Well, Amy Chandler clearly regards herself as a woman, as a female. I have to say that part of the reason I don't have a fixed opinion on this is because I simply don't know enough. But if I came across either you or Amy Challoner mm -hmm. or uh, Natalie Parrott or anybody else who asked to be referred to as she, I mm -hmm. do so not because I believe anything, but just because, um, you know, it's nice to be nice. I wouldn't like to be disrespectful to anyone. I'm not suggesting that you did anything wrong or anything that maybe even justified you being banned from Twitter, but it's not nice. Um, if I called you a man, mm -hmm. would that be not nice? If I said that you were a, um, if I said that you were a man of a particular height, or if I said, um, oh, look, you've got two arms and two legs. Uh, if I made any other factual statement about you, is that not nice? Um, it depends on what the factual statement is. You might say, uh, you're ugly. That could be true, but it's probably That's not a nice thing opinion. to say. Being, being whether someone is ugly. And That's true. It, it could also be objectively true. But but there are, there are you know, uncomplimentary and harsh and possibly mean things that are just absolutely factually true that can be said. It seems that, and it's true, I think, on all sides of this debate, that there are people who are anxious to be hurtful and anxious to be uh, disrespectful. Yeah, well, I, I get that. And I get what you're saying about being nice. Um, I don't really, uh, I don't really go in for pronouns myself. My, mm -hmm. my life has, my life and my beliefs have evolved over time. And I think pronoun sensitivity is indicative of someone that is less than convinced about their life choices or about their belief systems. Um, the, you, whether you as an adult human male uh, feel obliged to uh, accept myself or Amy or Natalie as being a woman is entirely is entirely your choice. But I would say that you were doing that as an adult human male. It doesn't you've got no skin in the game. Compelling women or compelling women as individuals or even a as a class mm -hmm. to accept males like myself or Natalie or Amy as being um, 
females or as women and having mm-hmm. rights as females or as women, it creates a rights conflict. And we can't even discuss this rights conflict. On the matter of um, making factual statements and matters of opinion and being nice and whatever, mm-hmm. Amy's is not a um, is is not someone I would say is blameless for making um, statements that are not offensive. Like, um, for example, on my blog, um, where the on my blog, I wrote a piece about how the Green Party had completely gone out of their um, out of their remit and tried to have a elected Labour Party um, official removed from their position. You know, an elected official moved from their position because of mm. what they perceived as transphobia. Um, you know, real life harassment. Um, you'll see on the page. I've got a tweet there from Labour um, from Amy Challoner. Mm-hmm. Where he's saying you could, on Twitter, you can now follow the group for young non-male members of the Green Party's Young Green Party over at over at YG Women. Go mm-hmm. give them a follow. Now, let's have a look at that statement. What we've done here is we've got a hey, Amy, Amy Chandler is is saying that the people who should join the Green Party Women section are non-males. That is correct. So this is describing anybody who is a woman, <laughs> as being a non-male. Again, this comes back to something that Simone de Beauvoir said about the man being the one and the woman being the other. This is a very mm-hmm. clear political othering of women. And it is, you know, it's, it's an incredibly misogynistic, dare I say, arrogant act to say that women are people that are just non, not well, not just non-men, but non-male. Um, you, know, you know, we have someone here that's been born with a with a male reproductive system that's decided that he's female, and he expects everyone else to believe it. It's absurd. Pause on that, and I, I understand what you're saying. I, that, you know, that's that that's a stable idea for someone to go through their life and carry in their head. The cognitive cognitive dissonance must be giving him a headache. Okay, well, you you and I are entitled to disagree with Amy on that. But putting that aside and just looking here at one particular website, which is documenting violence against trans people, and trans people are a tiny percentage of the mm-hmm. population, probably, uh, I'll post a link uh, with this, hrc.org. The proportion of trans people who suffer very serious violence, including frequently murder, is simply off the charts when you take into account the tiny fraction of a percent of society that they are. Trans people, perhaps you could say, are being hypersensitive about language and about pronouns and so forth. But trans people have every right to be very worried and very concerned about violence, don't they? Again, is that an expression of your opinion or is that a is that a question that you're asking me as a general question? I'm throwing out the idea for you to comment on. Okay. <laughs> Um, If trans people were subjected to a disproportionately high murder rate in the, um, you know, that was so sky high above that of the general population Mm -hmm. and we were, you know, that we were subjected to some sort of utterly shocking, awful genocide at the hands of homicidal men or what, you know, it's always homicidal men, isn't it? Um, Or nearly always. Um, I think that I think that the women's movement, and particularly, I think that uh, the 
more politically active parts of the women movement that are generally referred to as being TERFs would be at the forefront of campaigning for the um, rights and safety and dignity of these people. The claims that are made about violence and suicide rates and... No, no, I'm separating these two out. I'm just starting, start, starting with violence and murder, and murder. murder. yeah. Yeah, the claims that are made about violence and murder rates are actually very politically opportunist. Um, the that that may well be the case. That may well be the case. They, they but it is it is we, no doubt have... true. No, Miranda, um, it's no doubt true. It's no doubt true that 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 trans people suffer a disproportionate amount of violence. I'm looking at the site on the HRC site here. Mm-hmm. You've got. 2017, 28 transgender people fatally shot or killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, this the first thing is, this is a very emotive issue. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to think that their their group their uh, or their group identity is subjected to any form of particular violence or being picked on. However, I think that the claim that's made about um, particularly murder rates of trans people mm-hmm. uh, or transgender women, I think is is used in a politically opportunist way, what happens is it's usually... Sure, sure. no, it may be used, but no, uh, no Miranda, stick, stick with the, the topic. No, 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 because I want to stick on this, to, on this topic. It may well be used in an opportunist way, but that doesn't diminish the fact that it's true. It's not true. You think it's the, not true? The, okay. murder, the murder rate of trans, this is what I'm trying to say, the murder rate of transgender women is no greater than that of the general population even in the countries that you look at that have got sky high rates of um, murder rates of uh, of transgender women you will find that that the, the general you know it's a violent society it's places like places like brazil where you know any homosexual is going to have a in certain areas, it's going to have a pretty rough time. The situation in America, you'll notice that a lot of the murders that happen there are poor black and Hispanic transgender women who sure, yeah. are often engaged in survival prostitution. And you'll see that the perpetrators of the murders are invariably men. Yeah. Um, and I think that to look at these murder rates and interpret them, I think we have to interpret them in the context in which they are happening, in that it is a function of poverty, it is a function of survival prostitution, and it is indicative of a violent society that is homophobic, lightly misogynistic, and has a vast amount of structural inequality that is not, for whatever reason, being addressed by um, whatever government might exist. And again, I, you know, obviously I do not condone the murder of anybody, never mind um, transgender people. But I think that if we are going to address this as a problem, we need to understand how the problem is arising and what is causing it. We can't just say, yeah, transgender women have got a higher murder rate. Isn't it awful? We should accept them as women. That ain't going to solve the problem. What is going to solve the problem is looking at the problems that are created by structural inequalities within society, looking at the issues that are created by having poverty in black and Hispanic communities in places like the USA and people who are relying upon survival prostitution, prostitution possibly the most dangerous job in the world, Mm -hmm. and looking at those problems and alleviating them. Certainly, 
looking at the murder rate of actual women within society, calling transgender women women or, um, women, or transgender males women, is not going to solve that problem because women calling themselves women doesn't solve the the um, rate of whatever it is. I believe it's three or four women murdered in this country every week. In the UK, yes. In the UK. Um, looking at specific rates of murders of transgender individuals in the UK, I would add that there are, um, I believe that there has been one, maybe two transgender women murdered in the UK within the last um, seven years. And I'm very happy to be corrected on that. Okay. Um, one, one last thing I want to, because I just want to yeah, cool. move on to, is that in the UK currently, in order to be recognised as a transgender person, uh, that is to say to have your passport changed and so forth to say female instead of born male or vice versa, there is a process to go through. It is proposed that this be entirely abolished and people allowed to just self-identify as whatever gender they choose. What's your thoughts on that? The first thing about changing the passport, you don't need to do anything to change the passport other than um, advise the passport office if you'll change it and your identity. They will often ask you for a note, usually from a <clears throat> medical profession professional of some description, um, who would confirm that your change is permanent, i.e. you're not likely to revert. Um, the, the gender recognition certificate um, or the uh, short-form replacement birth certificate is not necessary to get a replacement passport. I think, But to change the, the birth certificate is necessary. You would need, uh, if you were to change the birth certificate, that would that would be done under the Gender Recognition Act. But you don't okay. need but, that. Uh, you the, don't need the, that to change the passport. The question that I sure the question that I wanted to uh, put to you was that uh, Natalie Parrott, when I talked to her, said that this is really a demeaning and intrusive legal process that's unnecessary. Nobody else is is subjected to this. Is there any reason why transgender people should have to do anything at all other than fill in the form? Well, I think there's a bunch of reasons um, that we that I think are um, problematic here. Um, speaking as someone who's transsexual, for us to have, in the situation that we're in to go through this process, we are supposed to have, before we go through this process, we are supposed to be in a position that we are declaring ourselves to be undergoing some form of gender reassignment. Mm -hmm. Now, that, whatever that means is, is pretty moot. And the way that the law is drafted, you don't really need to do anything to have it. So it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a daft law. It was a daft law when it was introduced. And I'm not a favour of, of this operating by changing the birth certificate for, for three reasons. First of all, uh, it creates a legal fiction which makes the law look silly. Um, second of all, it, it it makes it's a fairly it might look like a fairly easy, but it is quite a fairly cumbersome way to allow people to create um, you know to have rights that would um, change or be endowed because of the. Um, because of the nominal change in sex and i think that there are better ways of achieving it and i think that the you know i think the the problem that we have with the legislation is that yes it is out of date but the reason it's out of date is because uh, to be blunt it's either it's either daft or it's not needed um things like 
you know, the, the original reason that this was introduced was to do with rights under um, under the um, European Human Rights Convention for people to be able to have a private life, for people not to be discriminated on the basis of sex, for things like social security and other other benefits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the we've now got pretty much a equalization of social security in this country between males and females. So it's not needed for that. We do actually have um, what is called equal marriage in this country so that people who wish to get married can get married to to whoever they want. Um, The GRA actually produced a rather perverse situation for 14 years between... The Gender Recognition Act, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Between... Uh, 2004 and 2014, when equal marriage hit the statute books, we had this bizarre situation where two homosexuals or two people of the same sex could only get married if one of them changed their legal sex, which was, you know, was, when you think about it, is actually profoundly unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, I think that uh, what the um, what the GRA achieves can be done without creating a legal fiction of the replacement birth certificate. And I think as well, you know, there may have, it may have been perceived that there was a need for people to be protected from having their former identity as a man discovered or whatever. Um, I think that the number of trans people that applies to is incredibly small and is going to remain incredibly small. So it's a minority law that benefits a very, 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 very tiny minority of people that they just are not the number of transgender women in the world who would benefit from that law because, you know, most of them you can see, or certainly with their behaviour, you would code them as being male. Miranda Yardley, iconoclastic transsexual and blogger, thank you very much for talking to me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. If you like the Challenging Opinions podcast, please rate and review the show on iTunes and other podcast providers. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Tell your friends. But most important, make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com. Go to the website for sources and for Miranda's links. And while you're there, please like the show on Facebook. You can't follow Miranda because of the Twitter ban, but you can still follow at Challenging O. And get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or a topic for a future show. Also, you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer or phone or by email. It's all at www.challengingopinions.com. And also there, you'll see I've created a Patreon account. So if you'd like to support the podcast, I'd really appreciate that. And you can even support the show at no extra cost to yourself by using my Amazon affiliate link. As I say, it's all on the website. Coming up next Monday, that's June 18th, I'll be talking to Mike Ludwig of truthout.org about the EPA under Scott Pruitt. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.